Hey, Chris. What's going on, Scott? Uh, not much, not much. Uh, so we're episode five. Cinco. Yeah, episode five. And we actually have a couple guests here with us tonight. Want to talk about that? We do, we do. So we have Eric Lamarche. He's the VSO of Lowell. And if uh, you don't know what a VSO is, Eric will... Yeah. Tell you exactly what a VSO is and what they do. And Well, let's before we get uh, Eric going here, why don't we uh, jump to our helplines? All right, so we start off every time, and I'm kind of getting a little feedback, but it's all right. So we start off every time. We start off with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's 1-800-273-TALKS. It's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text a talk. You got 741-741. You can text BLUE, B-L-U-E, HELP. H-E-L-P, or HOME, H-O-M-E, so that's 741-741, someone will get back to you, or as Chris likes to say, you can always dial 911 for emergencies. All right, sorry about that. Uh, so tell us what a VSO is, Eric. Well, a uh, VSO, a veteran service officer um, in most states, or every other state, is um, basically it's a, a, a service officer in place to help file VA claims or um, or disability compensation or pension claims, but in Massachusetts, it's unique. We're unique to um, from any other state in the in the country um, because uh, there is a veteran service officer in every city and town, um, unlike every other um, state. Um, and there is a program called uh, Massachusetts uh, through the Massachusetts Department of Veteran Services um, under. Um, the Massachusetts General Laws, uh, Section 108, Chapter 115. It's a financial um, benefits program for eligible veterans and their families, uh, widows, and and uh, some disabled children. Uh, so the veteran service officer um, takes in applications for, the, uh, that's the main priority, uh, takes in um, financial applications uh, for veterans um, and widows and determine if they're eligible to re receive a stipend or help with their um, medical or financial. Oh, uh, nice. So basically, if uh, if we lose, uh, if we lose our veteran, you're still there to help the families, which is great. So it's not a, you know, so sad, too sad type of situation, right? Absolutely. We'll right. even we even there's a program in the state actually we help bury the veteran if they didn't have it, uh, the financial means to do so, including the widow. Um, they will also do that. Oh, nice. So when somebody does pass away, and I, I think we're jumping way to the end of um, some of our questions, but <laughs> do you have do you naturally have the choice of going right to a veteran cemetery, or can you go to your own? Is you know, there's no forcing you, right? You can go to any cemetery. Um, naturally, the state uh, veteran cemetery, as well as the federal uh, cemetery down in Bourne, um, is uh, free. Uh, you just need to pay for transportation, and there are some um, some, uh, some funeral homes that will offer free transportation. Oh, nice! Okay. Um, but you you are certainly able to um, you know visit your if, if you're if you're not financially capable, you are able to go to any funeral any cemetery, and uh, the s the state will pay um, four thousand dollars of a five thousand dollar funeral. Oh, nice, nice. So all right, so um, so you you answered pretty much what you do. So we we deal with a lot of veterans. We're dealing with a lot of the Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom guys. Um, so, what are some of the options they have when they get back to you know homeland and they get back here? And what are the options? Some of the like benefits they get of being a veteran and serving post nine eleven. I think the first thing that any veteran should do when they come back is definitely uh, visit you know their VSO. 
Um, that is the central place. That we can give you a benefits um, overview, see what you're eligible for. Um, but you should also contact, um, if you're not comfortable with your veteran service, service officer, there's also a uh, the DAV. Um, um, yeah, like or the, the VFW or the stuff, VFW yeah. service officers at the JFK building in Boston. Um, I'm not too versed on uh, the New Hampshire um, mm -hmm. in Manchester, those service officers, but I do know they're there in the JFK building in Boston. Um, a lot of veterans uh, may not know that they're entitled to five, year, uh, five years of medical care through the VA when they first get out. Oh, nice. That's, um, yeah, that's huge. Um, if they need two years of, um, there are certain rules. Um, one of the basics is that either they have a disability or they have five years, I'm sorry, two years of active duty service um, and having uh, a discharge under honorable conditions. Nice. What uh, about general discharge? Is that, is, uh, is general, that touchy? Or? General is yeah. touchy. I would suggest that they um, immediately, uh, the problem with, I know we're jumping again mm -hmm. um, with discharges, but uh, it's, I think it's, it's extremely important that um, you know when you leave what your character discharges. I think it's extremely important that you immediately, um, if you don't agree with it, um, to try to correct that discharge. Um, because it, you have a 15-year period, um, and they're always hard to get anyway. It's always hard to, um, to get them to, uh, to change it to... Um, Eric's, Eric's jumping a couple because, uh, <laughs> as our followers know, that we do have uh, our mascot, Craigie, and he's upstairs and he's throwing a shit fit. <laughs> I don't know. So that's what we hear in the background. If you're lucky enough, you actually might hear that. So, uh, But, you know, that's what's going on. Eric, so, I do have a question. So we've uh, jumped pretty far into the questions, but uh, we don't know anything about you yet. So tell us about you. What, uh, what does Eric do for fun? Oh, for fun. Um, well, if you follow him on Facebook, we know. However, why don't you tell them? Oh, sure. Uh, well, first of all, I served in the Navy, uh, USS Saipan, um, and as a, a mach uh, machinist uh, MRI transferred out of there. There's a lot of things. We can talk about that later. Mm. Um, but um, what I do for fun now, I mean, I don't know how I found this wife of mine. Yeah, I was going to say, she's like completely out of your league. <laughs> I, have you sobered up yet, Mindy? <laughs> So. Um, but uh, you know, I was lucky enough to find uh, find her and accept me for who I am. Um, but <laughs> for fun, I like I I'm an actor. Um, I community theater. Uh, it's always fun to be somebody else for a little while. I can forget about who I am or, or any trouble. I think you played Charlie Brown in one of them, right? I have played Charlie. Yeah, because Brown. I, I found a clip of that and I saw it and I was like, oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You're not gonna play that. Are no, you? no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to you because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I don't want played to me. So I've also been Linus. Oh, see, uh, how do you how do you do Linus? Linus was it was fun. It was early on um, when I was a brand new actor, but mm -hmm. um, it was fun. It's a musical. I like to sing. I'm a I love country music. Um, I, I know. Rumor has it you might be playing our third cornhole tournament. Yeah, opening I heard up that as well. I, was, yeah. I may be opening up, um, you know, before people get there. Um, so you'll be there at like five in the morning. Yeah, when oh, you're setting up everything. Yeah, yeah just, that'll be good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically, I mean, I, I play my guitar every now and then. I try to learn a new song. Um, today I learned one. Um, Mindy came in and it's like, oh. What song? How long have you been working on that? Uh, Alan Jackson. Um, I don't remember. Oh, Alan that's Jackson. That's not on the list. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know any <laughs> Alan Jackson, so. I'm not a country guy. I actually, when I, this is funny because Chris was saying, you know, uh, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, we'll just transit off and stuff. The My first experience with country, other than my father listening to what is technically country like um 
Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and all those guys that, you know, country. Because mm-hmm. now I think country now I think is uh, Southern Rock. It's the new Lead Skinner. It's the new 38 Special. It's So I think that's what it is. And then people are like, no, no, it's Rebel or it's Dirty Country. <laughs> no, no, it's Southern Rock. You know, so. Um, but and you know what? And I can kind of get behind it because I'm like, all right, you know, I like 38 Special. And I like Leonard Skinner. And I like the Almond Brothers and stuff. So it's, you know, it kind of reminds me of that, but a little, you know, evolution of it. Right. So, um so we were talking about that. And, and my first experience of real country was uh, we were in Africa. We had just got a guy named Tordoff who had come in, and he was our air gunner, and he had just got back from Somalia. Well, we had become combat engineers. We actually figured out a way to wire a stereo and speakers into a Humvee. So using the, um, the plug-in port, mm-hmm. well, yeah, with a meter, you can find out which one feeds 12 volts. So we ended up doing that, and I remember we used to rotate out on cassettes. You know, for, for the kids listening, that's a plastic thing. It's about three inches by two inches. It's got two small holes. When a bunch of the tape comes out, you use what's called the number two pencil. It's yellow. It has an eraser on one end. And Ticonderoga. You would re- yeah, and you would and you would do that. You would actually just take uh, take the pencil and wind it back up. So he had this mixtape that we heard to the point that actually ran it over. It had a song called Going Through the Big D, and I don't mean Dallas. Mm-hmm. Another song called uh, John Deere Green, where this guy had scaled a water tower t- in honor of his sister. Because they probably wrote something derogatory about it because she might have been easy like Sunday morning. But <laughs> so that there was in a, a bunch of other songs. And I'm like, oh, and then Joe Diffie. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So then uh, then we had that. And then Goth Brooks was just on the scene and everybody was losing their mind over Goth Brooks. So that was my introduction to country. And I, I kind of stayed away from it because after I hear those same seven songs over and over again, I really had no desire to listen to country again. Although I did go to Country Fest and I will tell you some of the happiest people on the planet. It, it's literally like the lollipop kids have evolved into country fans and they run around and they have a blast and they share alcohol and they share food and I'm a barbecue guy and I, you can tell by looking at me and I like whiskey. So it was a great experience. The music, I, yeah, it would probably grow on me, but um, but yeah, so that was my country. I, my first uh, my first experience with my stepfather introduced, um, my stepfather introduced me to Randy Travis. Um, so I had gone from Ozzy Osbourne to Randy yes. Travis overnight. Well, there was a Randy transition. You went from Randy Rhodes <coughs> to Randy Travis. Right. All right. Um, so that's how I got into it, and then I got into the Navy, and they were all they were all Southern in my um, in my department. Uh, so I was kind of forced to listen to all kinds of different music. And Tim McGraw was just coming on the scene when mm-hmm. I went in. Um, so that's how I got into it. Yeah. Nice. <coughs> Yeah, you definitely. The military is like a melting pot. So Chris is Chris is looking at it's kind of funny because he doesn't really get the whole military thing. The military thing is, if you honestly stereotype anybody and you go, "Oh, kids from down south are, are idiots," or "Kids from the Midwest are idiots," I'm going to tell you when you get there, they have a stereotype for us also. But it's completely wiped away because some of the nicest people you'll meet are from down south. They're the most caring people. Some of the hardest working people in the world are from the heartland. Farmers. All those farmer guys, they joined the military to get away from the farm. They want a vacation for the next four years because since they were five, they were working a farm at five in the morning, right? My boss, <clears throat> my, my supervisor said, uh, if he, he was from Kansas, and he said if he wanted to skip school, uh, he had a hit a rifle in the back of his truck. If he wanted to skip school, he better come home with a, a deer. Um, so if he, he'd be shooting, if he didn't, if he didn't get it, if he missed it, he'd go home and get a whooping. Oh, yeah. And that was the old pick your switch. You get in trouble because I had those guys telling me about that. They're like, you never picked your switch. I'm like, what the heck's a switch? And, you know, up here we got the wooden spoon or the Tyco racetrack. 
you know, or, and that's what we got hit with. But no, down there, you actually, they told you to go outside and grab a branch, strip the leaves off it, and bring it in. And it made that, like, Zorro sound when they made them. So, <laughs> I think I got lucky. Uh, my mother my mother raised five boys on her own. Um, so she'd call us. We'd be make, causing a ruckus upstairs, and she'd call us down, and we knew what we were in for. So we'd put some books in the back of our oh, nice. back of yep. our uh, yep. Pete pajamas, and she'd come down, and she'd put us over on over her knee, and she'd... she'd whack us a couple times and we pretend i think that's where i started acting oh okay yeah you know but that poor woman she thinks she did a good thing you know i took care of them yeah you go upstairs and you're like yeah Yeah, you're laughing at one point they think you just become like immune to everything because my father used to do that or what we'd get is my mother would go wait until your father gets home and your father would get home and he'd take his belt off and he'd just make that crack noise right and you were like oh like your heart would stop and like time would slow down like a video game and you were like moving in very slow motion. <laughs> and then he knew that he really wasn't hurting you and you're like, oh, and then you go upstairs and you're like, that didn't hurt like a tough guy. But he knew, you know, it would think it was just a sheer terror. Like you were afraid of your mom. I think that was the that was the punishment of just. Oh, she was quick. She had her hands were the fastest things I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, how was school today? Great. Bah! Yeah. It's like, wow. Because <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she knew. Uh, so. <laughs> Chris, you want to jump in on this? You're trying to tell me Carol never did anything to you? No. There was, uh, you were a twin. There is no way a twin does not get beat. Nope. Soap. <laughs> soap, soap and Tabasco sauce. Oh. Soap. Oh, sticks yeah. in your teeth. Yeah, palm olive. We got palm olive. So we got the yeah, dish soap. It was soap. Uh, that Dove hand soap <laughs> stuff. Like the bars. Dove. <laughs> yeah. Dove, but it's good for your skin. <sighs> Leaves no residue. Yeah. We <laughs> like, learned very quickly, though, I might add. Yeah. I mean, I turned out all right. Yeah, I would say so. So I Nate, still th- on the other hand, I think the, Nate is the better one of the two. No offense. Oh, geez, thanks. <laughs> I'm having a hard time understanding the, the liquid soap. I mean, I know, no, it wasn't liquid. It was the bar. The bar, yeah. right? Yeah. You sit on the counter and they rub it and make sure yeah. they get in your teeth. Oh yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah no, I, I got sauce. no, I got I got the the dish soap. Nope. I oh, yeah. was threatened with that. I got chased through the house one day with that. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was that fast. was recently. That was fast acting. That, yeah. <laughs> it's like codeine in a pill or codeine liquid. We got yeah. liquid for them. Oh. No kidding. So, all right, so back to this. Uh, so what would you recommend? For, so, uh, uh, like, what we deal with, we deal with a lot of veterans that come home, and, and a lot of their service trades really don't transition back into, Amer- uh, you know, to normal civilian life. Unless you're going to be going working for some, uh, you know, contractor doing private security or something like you know, like our veterans are recon guys. Or, uh, I can't say that about Navy SEALs because those guys come out and everything they touch is gold. It's a if it's a, a coffee company. It's a, you know, geez, Navy SEALs, they're like entrepreneurs, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But for our, like our infantry and our recon guys, other than becoming a you know a firefighter or a cop, do they have like an option? Is there like a rehab, like folk rehab or something? Some education incentive or how do they access that and the VA, VA has voc, uh, vocational rehabilitation and you you just have to file the proper paperwork and uh, va.gov um, and you just you search the um, voc rehab and they'll talk about I mean you'll take the application if you're eligible they will go to your um, then you go to a, um, a bot you go into Boston to get uh, can't even think of the you go to the Kennedy Building. Yeah, you go to the Kennedy Building. They, yeah. they 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 give you they they talk to you, get you uh, all started up with it. Um, but they also have um, 
upward bound program for those uh, a veteran that um, maybe didn't go to college or wants to go to college, mm-hmm. and they'll start you from scratch, and you can um, you can take um, they'll they'll get you to the, through the courses, the pre college courses, and get mm-hmm. you. Um, bring you to the point where you can go to college through, um, you know, use it when you use your GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people aren't ready to use that GI Bill for that reason. Yeah. Um, but um, there's a shelf life on uh, GI Bill, right? Is it 10 years? On, I'm not sure about the, um, I know about the old, the, the, the GI Bill, the, the Montgomery? Montgomery GI yeah, Bill okay. there is. Yeah. Um, but the post 9-11 GI Bill is amazing. Um, yeah, I don't qualify. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, amazing. that pays their um, rent. Um, pays books, pays. I mean, it's yeah. It, buys them a computer, gets them a printer, all that stuff. Absolutely amazing. Right? I don't know that, why they stop. And I don't know why there's a shelf life on the GI Bill, um, j- uh, because I mean, I I put into it and I never I never used it. Um, no, so they yeah. took my money. Yeah, it happened to me too. I actually went and filed for it before my ten years was up, and the VA um, advisor at the college I went to had filled it out wrong and it got denied. And then by the time I went to get it, they told me it didn't exist anymore. Mine was gone. No way to appeal. No. That's awesome. That was happening. I was like, <laughs> so hey. when did you uh, go into the Navy? I went in 1990. Um, I got out in 93. Um, I had had enough. I'd signed up for a three years. Uh, they had a three-year active, the three-year active reserve. Um, and I think the first Bush, for some reason, allowed us to not do the three active reserve. So I was I was set free, uh, oh, nice. which was great. I, had See, had I, I told you I love Bush, the first <laughs> one. Yeah. Well, the second one was good, too, because he when he got... Um, he got and he got elected. He promised that he would get us out of the Balkans, and we were out of the Balkans. So I liked them both. So you were in there for three years, and then uh, when you came back, uh, so what were you doing prior to going to the military? Before I went, I, I went right out of high school. Right out of high school. Right out of high school. Um, I again, my stepfather told me all kinds of stories about I wanted to see the world. You know, this is how I, I never paid attention to the news. Mm-hmm. I didn't know we were going to war. Um, I went to boot camp, and a couple weeks later, they said, "Yeah, we're at war." I'm like, "Yeah, joking. This is part of boot camp, you know." And lo and behold, um, yeah, first Gulf War, first Gulf War, storm, desert shield, right? I mean, which was, I mean, it wasn't much to talk about, but it was. Yeah. I mean, for an 18 year old, you know, it's um, not expecting to just go see the world and travel for free. Sure. You know, do a little bit of hard work, and then get dropped off in a foreign land and. What was the What was the best place you ever been? Oh, yes. We do this. We do this debate all the time. I, I was just going to ask that. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you mean best. Um, I mean, where I, did I, you have the most fun? Oh. Well, you didn't get arrested. I never once got arrested. I did get. Um, the, uh, I did get in trouble a few times. Shore um, patrol is a. That's a. Even the MPs in shore patrol when they start and they dress them so. I, I knew shore patrol. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, I mean, I, I had, I did receive yeah, a, a few rides yeah. yep. um, back okay. to the, back to the pier, um, but I, I got to, f- um, I rode a camel in the Sahara Desert and I went four wheeling in the Sahara Desert. That was awesome. What kid can say they did that? That's as an Arab, I take offense to that. <laughs> that that's my people's rides. You can't just <laughs> jump on there and exploit them. It no, did. so it actually, you know what? Riding a camel is actually pretty cool. I, I've done it in Egypt, and it actually is cool. It was fun. Yeah. Um, it, but I mean, I went uh, Palma, uh, Spain, a little island. Um, it was amazing. Um, they had five thousand bars. I tried to hit them all, but it didn't work. Oh, that's nice. Um, if you could go back to any of those places again, which one would you go back to? To be honest, I I wouldn't mind going. I mean, Palma, Spain. You see, you see it on um, ads now that how beautiful it was. I didn't see anything but downtown. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was a lot of things I missed because I was just a 
Yeah, I was a kid. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you you turn into like this uh, like this like a prisoner release, and you get out. Especially when you come from, you know, you're 18, and the life is so much different now because now you can legally drink. Or illegally drink, but you can drink because they figure that you're old enough because you're in the military. Well, but if you yeah, can see over the bar. Yeah, but that's they, the way it is. Yeah, life changes for you because it's, it's now you're an adult and your parents aren't around and you have to live for yourself. And somehow you fall into like this band of hooligans who drag you to everything you're not supposed to be going to. Well, when you work 20 hours a day mm-hmm. on the, on, in the Navy, I don't know about any other service, but I do know 20 hours a day. Um, and then on those four hours that you're not working, if something happens, you know, they're coming to get you, you're going to go yep. fix it. Yep. I mean, so there's days, I mean, you're out to sea all the time. You see the same faces all the time. And, I mean, you, you, they let you out. And How big was the vessel you were on? It was, it was the next size down from a uh, an aircraft carrier. We were on a... Um, we carried helicopters and Harrier jets uh, flew cool. up and down, so uh, it was pretty big. I mean, there's a lot of a um, lot of space to cover when you're on watch, but um, there was also a lot of places to hide. Um, oh, nice! In case you happen to be hungover or something. Mm-hmm. That's always a good thing. You guys didn't see in the military, or at least the army. We always make friends with the medics because they're the ones that carry the IV bags. So when you are hungover, they just give you an IV dip, uh, like drip, and then about an hour later, you feel magical. So if you hit them up the night that you get home, they give you one, and then you wake up ready for PT. Nice. See? Nice. We always had to be friendly with the uh, HVAC guys because your hot oh, water yeah. would be off, yeah. um, or and definitely the chefs because mm-hmm. you want to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. how did you uh, transition back into civilian life once you came back? Well, I think my story is a little different from most people. Um, again, Navy, I don't think it's the sa- I didn't have the same experiences, especially with the um, – people from uh, the veterans from today but for me it was difficult um i had some experiences um uh, i'll just briefly i i I was married um not to this lovely wife i have today um but second time's a charm um you know i despite everyone else's advice i went and i got married um and what they said would happen happened i mean you're young and you move in with a couple sailors and what do you think happened? I mean, so that part I could handle. We were young. Um, I was kind of, um, when you when you posed one of these questions, I don't know what triggered, but I was thinking about today. Um, and, and I started realizing how much it really bothered me mm. that, that I, I served another eight months after that incident. And he was my friend. Um, and we slept. There were th- the, In the Navy, there's four racks on top of each other. I was on the top. And the other two guys were at the bottom too. Yeah. Um, and I and I they were in my my shop. They were they, I worked with them every day. And the Navy didn't make any effort to move us. And I realized that really bothered me. And I didn't realize that till I started thinking about this. Yeah. How much it really bothered me. Um, and when I went home, it took a long time for me to um, to face it. It took a friend to hand me a divorce decree for me to not just get up, go to work come back, sit in my TV chair, and drink until I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day, and for, for a long time. Um, and then and then I just, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't even know what, what the turning point was. I mean, I, it was having, I had a hard time with some relationships, um, you know, trusting anybody. I mean, my wife can probably attest to the fact that I'm, I'm not a very trusting person. Yeah. Um, I'm, I always feel like somebody is out to get me. Or something, you know, is there another motive behind it? But I've, and 
again, I didn't think of it until you asked me to come here, and yeah. I started thinking about every possible angle. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that really bothers me. I never knew that. You know what it is? is we, we become, you become so trusting on people, and then when you get burnt, it's hard to erase that scar of, Absolutely. you know what I mean? It's, it's in a live and learn type of, of world, you know? I We, you know, as an NCO, I dealt with a lot of the, you know, uh, privates and the first girl they met off base they would fall in love with, and, and we used to try to, you know, try to curve that. But when I was in, and it was probably the same time as you, it was this 93, you actually had to get your, your company commander's permission to get married at one point wow because it was it was such it was just reaping habit and, and, and people would ask you like what is that like and the only thing i can say is almost like um that officer and a gentleman movie where like literally at the bar they sit there like the local girls will sit there and they're looking for their person to get them out of town which is, i don't know if that's what your case was but we saw it a lot and, and i mean it, it is very traumatic because they're playing a game and you're playing life you know mm-hmm. and I mean, I've I've seen other situations on the ship. Um, we've had we've had uh, other guys um, get a letter from Red Cross saying, "Hey, um, your wife left you, but your um, your mom, they all moved. Everybody moved. Yeah, yeah. You have nowhere to go home to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens every day. I mean, you'd think how what kind of a person would do that to somebody when they're out overseas? Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be concentrating on something else, but it happens. Yeah. Um, that's like that. That was the biggest thing. I never really got involved with like relationships when I was away, or when I was in the military. Because I one, I didn't think it was fair that when I got deployed or I went someplace or I volunteered for someplace that I left somebody behind in the wind waiting for me. And you know, plus I was young and I I was really enjoying life. I mean, I was a sergeant at twenty two years old. I mean, that's like a god in the you know. So, but you know, you would see, like when guys get deployed, Chris. You would see, literally, you would see base housing. You'd see white sheets hanging out of windows because that was letting the boyfriend know that it's, it's you know, it's safe to come over because the husband was away. And that was really disturbing, especially in the military. Or you'd go to the NCO club that first Friday night, and it was, it, you know, it was like 10 to 1 guy ratio, you know, girls to guy. And it was it was ridiculous, all because the battalion was out. But I had the, I you know, I was smart enough that, I never messed with any of the wives because everywhere I was deployed, there was some special operations group there, and those guys will kill you. So, <laughs> and here's, here's oh. a question for both of you guys because both of you were deployed. I was never in the military, so I don't, you know, I, I don't have any of this advice and stuff. So we have a uh, some young audience, and then we also have some older audience. But for the younger audience, what advice would you give to them if they are looking to start in the military? Air Force, <laughs> Navy. <laughs> Not the Army of the Marines, I'll tell you. If I, I tell anybody that goes in now, and you know what, if, and, and Navy too, I would go to a trade that's technical. I would go to, in the military, the Army and the Marines are starting to use technical. It's like if the grunts are using drones or any stuff like that. But I will tell you, definitely go and get a, a trade that's technical um, because you, you want to do something when you get out. And stuff that you're doing in the military, you're only getting paid. What's, what's an E3, E4 make nowadays? In the military, I'm not sure what the pay wasn't much then. No, so you can get out. Say I'm going to highball it. I'm going to say you're making forty grand a year, right? As an E4, and you get out, and that same job translated to the civilian world's like 150 k. Hmm. Wow. So I would definitely, I would tell them get something whether it's Air Force or Navy, and get something technical, something that is like um, technology driven. That's. And I don't know how young your audience is, um, but if they're young enough where they still have a couple years left in, in high school, um, I know you hear it all the time from everybody that education is important. Yeah, but huge. if you that ASVAB test to get into the service is is 
so important to score high. You don't want to get the grunt job. You don't want to get the Lord. You can go. Sometimes you can go in if you're smart enough. You can go in as an E two. You can start off. You yeah. can you can jump E two E three depending on. There's a study book too. Barons, uh, Barons. Yeah, is that's the, right. Yeah, the, they do ASVAB tests. They do the police exam. They do the fire exam, and that's what I took. EMTs. Yeah, yeah. They, so th- I would definitely I would recommend that, but not to cut you off. But no, you're no, right. That's fine. I and, mean, yeah, I, and get well. College is huge too. If you go to even like go to U Lowell and you get involved in their ROTC program, their their ROTC program, then you come out and you get commissioned as an officer. You have your degree already, and it's getting paid for. So that's the best way to go. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But I definitely say Navy. So I mean. no. you know what? I, I don't know. It's I just I've eaten a defax in the Air Force. <laughs> And I'm going to say, my stomach telling me Air Force. Well, today, if you go in, if a lot of people, they used to, a lot of uh, guys used to sign up and go, uh, you know, National Guard or Reserves. But today, I mean, just because they, they'd say they're doing their part. Uh, but now today, you you will be deployed. Um, and you, you'll yeah, end citizen up. Citizen soldiers, they're, they're more trained. Yeah, you'll end up mm-hmm. on the front lines. Yeah. Um, so I say Navy because for me, I mm-hmm. get to see, I don't know about the Air Force, but I... The ship's going to stop at like seven different places. So if everything goes well, you're going to get to those seven places. Yeah. And I will say I have a friend who's now a police officer. I believe he's down on the Cape, and he was in the Navy. He was uh, out in Hawaii for three and a half years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Schofield Barracks for the Now, see, Hawaii sounds beautiful, right? But when you're in the Army and in the Army in Hawaii, that's not beautiful. <laughs> because that's Tropic Thunder. Oh, actually, it, it's it's yeah, is that Tropic Thunder? Twenty fifth ID, right? Twenty fifth Infantry Division. They train in that, so they train in that paradise all the time. So lava rock, like all that stuff, and everything's expensive. When uh, I had a nephew that was stationed there, and it was like forty eight bucks for a case of beer. Wow, wow. So maybe for the Navy, it's probably awesome, <laughs> but for the Army, not so much. But so it's Hawaii, right? So, so for both of you, uh, how when you uh, came back into the states and transitioned back into civilian life, what do you wish you did at that point, or what helped you to uh, get back on your feet when you came home? I think the good thing about when I went through, I was deployed as a reservist, so when I got back, I was I was definitely a lot of my friends said that I was different. I, I just had a different look of, of a whole bunch of stuff, but. The good thing about me being a, um, a reservist was I got to see that, like, I, and we always push community here. We always push that you just that lack of community you're missing when you get out of the military. But for once a month, I got to see those guys again, you know. So I would see them, and then we reconnect, and we talk about our deployment and shit or whatever. And those guys got me. But I think the only thing I would have done different, I would have got right into, right into college. You know, I just, I really started just focusing on, you know, being a tradesman and, and, and working and stuff like that. And then it turns out that I became a police officer instead. But I, I, I probably should have just went right back into college. I think I, I probably would have gone right to school. Um, probably would have been the smartest thing to do if I would have gotten out. If I would have, you know, just stuck it out, I probably would really wanted to stay. Um, you know, um, knowing what I knew at that point, and if I could have just got over it or, or gotten past it, I probably, when I turned 39, that birthday, I was like, son of a gun. I could be retired from the Navy at 39 years old. Not even that. I had, I had privates that I was, I was religiously like PTing or disciplined or having pulling rocks out of lawn or something because they were just pains in the ass. 
and I, we don't swear that much here, but they were like legitimately, that was them. They disappeared, everything. Those guys are like first sergeants and stuff now. And I shake my head. I'm like, what the? What could I have been? <laughs> you know, I'm, um, I'm not politically correct, so I probably would have got out as the same rank I got in. But but still, I mean, though, like you look back and you ever think that? You're like, I could have been like, you know, I, I could have been a first sergeant or a master sergeant. People I served with cross, uh, they went over to their warrant officers now. Yeah. Um, And, and you oh. thought then they were... Uh, they were just they were nuts, you know. Yeah. Now, warrant officers are in the in the navy. Are they the same as the army? I don't know. I know the navy. You go up to your the highest rank you can, mm-hmm. right? Um, and enlisted, and then you just oh okay you transfer. So over. in the in the army, it was E six. You could go to warrant school. You had to put a big packet in and stuff. But warrant officers for people who aren't military, they're enlisted like a sergeant, but they're also like an officer. And they they're like the go between. And in realistically, in the military, or at least in the army, you're a god when you're a warrant officer. You basically can tell an officer to go screw themselves, and nothing's going to happen to you because those are the guys that are in charge of like the motor pool, and the other guys in charge of supply, and the other guys that are helicopter pilots and and head of the a- aviation wing. So you really don't piss them off because they have way too much knowledge. And if any good NCO will tell you, uh, which is non commissioned officer, will tell you, or will tell any lieutenant, you relying in in your uh, NCOs because nothing's going to get done without the NCOs. But nowadays, have you heard about this, the E4 Mafia? No. So for E4 and below, they kind of control. So when I was in, corporals kind of controlled kind of the show. They're like egotistical, like Lord of the Flies type of thing. So what they do is you actually, as a sergeant, have to kiss the E4's butts to get the under enlisted do anything. They call it the E4 Mafia because it's kind of like you're going to them saying, hey, I really need the private to do this. What can you do for me? Oh, that, I wish that happened on the Navy. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> That's what the, I'm telling you. Look it up. E4 Mafia. It's a, it's like a huge, I don't know. It's I would have just started smacking people. But <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do for like to relieve stress? I mean, I know being a VSO, is it's hard work. It's stressful work, especially since you're, you're, you start to consume the problems of the, of the veterans you're helping. And how do you, like, get rid of that? Like, how do you not hold it in like a sponge? I don't. I go. I. I think I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's hard. I, I don't sleep very well. I mean, yeah, I'm you, the same way. You go home and 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 I think, what could I do different? What can I do better? Um, and you can't help everyone. Um, and the ones you can't help are the ones that are the loudest. Um, and I mean, it as a person, it 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 bothers me. Yeah. I mean, because I'm not out to hurt anybody. I'm just. I mean, I'm genuinely out there to make sure I I do the best I can with the laws that are written um, and and sometimes you don't so with I do every now and then I think it's time I think to myself it's time to do some theater or my wife will say hey it's time to do a show yeah. you know that way I get to be have the crazier the char- character the better and I get somebody else's problems and I literally for a couple months I become that person I don't oh, have awesome. to I don't have to be any plays in the future um, there is one uh, coming up it's called Urine Town Wait. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a obviously it, it's a fictional town. Oh wait, wait. Oh, so is it like Y O U? Oh no, it's urine. Urine, like as in waste. Yes. Oh, fantastic! That sounds like I want to be there. Um, so I don't know how that, we don't we haven't started rehearsing it. Start that's in June. You gonna keep us posted so we can sure. let everybody know that? All right, sure. That sounds awesome. Cause that sounds like a field trip. I'll I'll go. <laughs> I I definitely want to go. I need the night out. <laughs> You're in town. Hopefully I'm, it's hopefully it's a comedy. I hope so. Because if not, it's going to be about a poor janitor who just does nothing but cleans up at the end of a Red Sox game. (laughs) 
It's a fictional. It's a fictional town that has um, some water trouble, um, and that this one ward is. Uh, I'm, I'll be playing Officer Lockstock, um, and his sidekick is Barrel Lockstock and Barrel. Um, <laughs> and they, they, uh, there's a place you have to pay to pee, um, and they're monitoring. They make sure that people you know their, their rates are higher and it's bad ki- poor conditions or whatever so they have it's a musical so oh that sounds fantastic she's not looking forward to it why not why have you have you seen some of the script she just doesn't like musicals really i'm not you know what i'm not a i don't <laughs> know i saw lay miz and i thought it was pretty fantastic but i've been to other like um was a kiss of the spider woman i went to that and i was just like ah oh, no nah, i'm not a big fan uh, what other? But some of them, I think it's like like anything. I think some are going to grab your grab your attention. It's going to be like, oh, this is amazing. Or some of them are like, I I I have no idea what's going on, and I really just want to go drink somewhere. When the lights go out, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom, and then just come back later. I I, I lost you. I sat up in the back, but. Well, so I was lucky. So at Western Academy, where I graduated from, they had an unbelievable theater. Oh, yeah, like award winning, right? Statewide, nationwide, award winning. Uh, uh, theater program, and they were the first in the country to do Phantom of the Opera as a high school. Um, they did a whole bunch of other ones, and you literally had to be there for pre-sale tickets, or you wouldn't get in. And wow. that auditorium fit, I'd say, what, 750 people plus? Yeah, that place was big. And it would sell out every night, every show. This theater doesn't hold that many. Which one do you? Um, which one do you go to? This particular theater. Um, I'm at only the only reason why I'm doing this. This is a family theater version. Yeah. Um, which wait, wait. You're in town as a family. <laughs> yeah. They, they have two different. They have a regular Burlington um, players. Um, okay. Has uh, an adult group, and then mm-hmm. they have a family where they teach the the kids up to, up oh, to eighteen oh, okay. years. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you meant like this was a family show called You're in Town. Well, I don't. I, yeah, it's not quite a family. There's really no okay. th- no swearing or anything like that. All right, there's, yeah. There's okay. nothing dirty. I mean, in the show, but I mean, it's just an odd subject. But um, you, but you know what? Think about it this way, though. There isn't a Disney movie or a Pixar movie or anything that doesn't have more adult humor hidden in it. That's dirtier than you're in town, I imagine. Because some of them, I I sit at like the Bat Lego Batman movie. Oh my god! I was I literally I was I was giggling like a little schoolgirl the whole <laughs> time, and people looking at me. I'm like, you didn't get that. I'm like, how didn't you get that? I'm like, that was like the funniest thing I ever saw in my life. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that I think I think there's some hidden humor in everything. But that's just me because I'm a little sick and twisted. But yeah, you yeah you you know I am. No, here's a completely off-topic subject. But have you ever been to Improv Asylum in I have, Boston? I have not. I would highly recommend that as a date night some night. And I will be honest, I think you would like it as well, Mindy. I think she'd like a, an improv just because it's a different type of a style. It's skits. It's a lot more. Is that like a skit yep, type of atmosphere? Yep. And it's right in the uh, north end, right on uh, Hanover Street in Boston. And uh, it's a uh, short hop, skip, and jump, jump from uh, Mike's Pastries. Um, Is this time for the commercial? Yeah, a little bit. Ed. But he's, uh, <laughs> he's, I don't know where Scott went. But um, Improv Asylum actually gave us tickets last year's for last year's cornhole tournament and uh was we used them in a raffle but i know some people who perform there and they do some up to 18 year old skits then they do some well over 18 year old skits uh they have a full service bar there so uh it appeals to everybody but that's uh it's definitely a 
fun time. I would love to go. And then if you go after 10, so if you go before the 10 o'clock show, your tickets are good for the 10 o'clock show, which is called Raunchy Hour. Oh. So everybody on stage drinks. That sounds like fun. It is a blast. Do you get on stage? They will pull people from the audience. So if there's a bachelorette party, if there's a bridal shower, rest assured you will be on stage. Um, or made fun of at least once. So <laughs> it's very it's very interactive. It's a small, you know, small little room. But they could fit probably I'd say two hundred and fifty people in there. Nice. It sounds like a lot of fun. It's a blast. Absolute blast. So where do you uh do the performing? I'm pretty much all over the place. Right now, um Burlington, um, Massachusetts, uh, Burlington players, um, been in Waltham, um, uh, Amesbury Dinner Theater, uh, okay. when it used to be around till they closed, I, w- I was up there, the firehouse in Newburyport, yep. um, everywhere, I mean, anywhere. Have you ever done uh, Lowell Repertory? No, Lowell Repertory Theater is all professional the- uh, actors that audition in New York. Is that the same as Merrimack? Repertory? That Merrimack no, Repertory. Okay. Yeah. 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 okay. They're all, um, all New York actors. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I had to leave for a second. So, <laughs> and enter Craigie. So, um, hold on a second. Craigie, here you go, buddy. Take mine. So, I, I missed it. What did you, uh, what was the best um, part you ever played? The best part I ever played, uh, it's between there's two different characters one of them was Renfield in, in uh, the Amesbury Dinner Theater's um, version of Dracula oh cool um, he was crazy I get to throw myself around a little bit oh nice um, now then uh, when I my first show in Burlington I would say it was called The Boys Next Door mm-hmm. um, and I, I played a uh, special needs character oh cool um, so that, that was it was tough um, I got an award for it oh nice it was fun yeah. um, but uh, that would have to be number two nice very cool um. Okay, what's your favorite song to play? Oh, geez. Um, I'm st- again. I'm just learning. Um, I'm just learning uh, how to. P- I'm still a hack. Yeah. Um. So. Well, so on. Ninety percent of musicians out there making millions of dollars, but it's amazing what auto tunes and a good <laughs> producer does. So, all right. So, all right. If there was one song you could learn to play, because I used to play guitar. If there was one song you could learn to play, like, of all time. Like your deserted island song, what would it be? Deserted. I, I'm a sappy. Mm-hmm. I do sappy songs. And, okay. You know, so not, not like not Stairway to Heaven or anything stupid like oh, that. No, no, that's been overplayed. It's uh, to the point that nobody wants to hear that song anymore. Um, I'd like to get skilled with uh, finger picking, and um, so I would say um, Slayer. No, <laughs> I like the country music. Okay. Um, um, uh, <laughs> It's, what is that? That's the, all I can think of is the Deliverance. That song. That's What's a dueling like, band. Dueling it's called dueling banjos. Uh, banjos. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. No, I, I think like uh, I used to do that, and I was like, what would be like the song I would really like to play, like to the point that it, I, like perfect or even better. And I, I would probably say like um, Clapton's version of uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I think it would probably be like, I think that would be it. You say you used to play? Yeah, I used to play. Why'd you stop? Uh, just I don't know. He had a kid. Yeah, and I yeah, well, yeah. Then I had a kid, and then I I started playing a little more, 
and then I started playing a little less, and then she grew up a little, and I started playing again, and then another one came. <laughs> so yeah, I, eventually I'll probably jump back into it, but I don't know. I play a mean guitar on on uh, the iPad though. I noticed that so you did the introductory yeah, music. Yeah, I did. We lost our introduction music, so I had to wing one really quick. So um, it, it it honestly sounded like I winged it too because it was. But no, I think so. What would you? What do you think? Just off the top of your head, what would one song you could like play amazingly? Or I don't know. Um, I really don't have one. Um, yeah. I just I just literally just I go through my uh, guitar um, app. Yeah. And I just find something that. Nice. It's all right. I mean, and I either it either catches or or I just move on to the next. Oh, okay. I like every. I like all music. The yeah. only, I really Chris don't like a, rap. Chris is a country guy. I am. I'm really not a rap guy. Uh, yeah, no. I'm like an '80s rap guy. This That's new rap is called crap. I don't like this, I don't the like letter. the new country with. I do like the. Uh, it depends. I mean, there's some good songs out there. They like the country pop rock mm-hmm. style, but I mean, I listen to 102.5 literally. Every day, I like one hundred one point seven seven the bull because they were one of our sponsors. <laughs> I do listen to them. I do listen to them as well. Yeah. Um, I usually try to do one hundred two five in the morning because one hundred one seven has too many commercials in the morning. No, the thing about country is, is like they have people go crazy over country. Like, all right, so think of it this way: so you grew up around here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we grew up, we was the, what WCOC, right? Remember that BCN, BCN, right? yeah. You had AAF, right? Right. You rock 101, FNX. Now they have like 1017, and people lose their shit over this Bobby Bones guy. He's a DJ. What are you <laughs> losing? Like people take pictures with him, like he's like Jesus. He's a musician. He plays. He's in a band. Oh, I know. But still, he's not Jesus. Like it just. I, I mean, I, I've met Jesus. I actually posted the picture of him. I met him. We were walking down the street, and you didn't see that picture. I did not. Oh, I will show you. But my son has my phone over there with your wife. Um, there's a, uh, yeah, there's a disclaimer. I'm sorry for anything you see in that phone that you shouldn't see. (laughs) Um, but like, I, I don't understand. I, I even like when I met the greatest people like I've ever met, like I've met Kiss and I've met, uh, I met Robert Plant in Boston and I wasn't like Lady Gaga goo goo over this, over these guys. Like I just was like, wow, it's, I met them, but you see people like with this guy. Instagram, like, I met Bobby Bones. And you're like, just settle down. I mean, the guy didn't cure anything. He's, you know, I'm sure oh. everybody out there has met like a famous person once and lost their know, minds. Once. I mean, just, I don't think I've ever lost my mind over a famous person. And I'm a huge baseball per- guy. Yeah. I've met and had dinner with Jonathan Papelbon yeah. and, and his family. I've, I mean, yeah. I just yeah, people get starstruck and I kind of I just I get it and sometimes it cracks me up like when when girls start crying, that's like the best. I think. Yeah, I don't Min, get that. Mindy ever cried because you met somebody famous? No, Mindy. Mindy cries at um, TV shows. Um, those are her friends that we oh, watch really? at nighttime. Yeah. What's your favorite show? Uh, this is us. She was in. Uh, she was bawling. We 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 still catching up. We watched so many shows, but last <laughs> night was a catch up on This Is Us, and uh, you know she. Needed a towel or so. Down, she was crying. No, it's because it's, it's allergy season. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. She tries to. She tries to hide it. She hands behind the head and yawns a little bit. Yeah. and then you see. Mindy, <laughs> Mindy, I won't lie. I I do lie during. I I cry during a lot of um, like Pixar movies, like that movie Up. Oh my God. 
that no i just so i so there are there are some i cry some uh, some movies i do cry but it's out of um laughter like um titanic I, I laughed a real lot, especially when the boat was halfway out of the water and the guy slid down and hit everything on the way down like pinball. <laughs> so I did laugh a lot at that. And my, my daughter and my wife thought I was there's something seriously wrong with me, which this slow learners because there is something wrong with me. But like, uh, I don't I don't get like it. Do you watch? Um, do you guys watch like Bachelor and stuff like that? Ugh, she watches Bachelor. How uh, do you watch that? If you were that much of a cat, you wouldn't be single. You, they should call that batshit crazy. <laughs> I, I remember I was watching. You, you were got, watching you, recently, you right? You got the text That's from right. Janice because I, yeah. So I was forced to uh, watch Bachelor with uh, my girlfriend, and you know they ended up bringing an ad up for who wants to be the next Bachelor. And oh, yeah, you what applied. did I do? Huh? I applied. Yeah. Did you yeah. really? In front of her, and she literally looked at me. And started Snapchatting me, and uh, well, the thing is, you'll never get on there one because you don't wear glittery sparkle jeans. You've uh, never been rich. in a yeah, you've been never been in a volleyball commercial, <laughs> um, and you don't have frosted hair. Yeah, because I have no hair. Yeah, it's true, but or lack of. So yeah, like a lot of those shows, like at my my like enjoyment, and I, I don't know how I just turned it around. Hey, it's the Scott Show. Um, <laughs> but like mine, I like I like um, like the Grand Tour um, on on Prime. See, Chris is like, what's that? Um, do you remember? Um, Top Gear? No. All right. So Top Gear, for everybody who's not <laughs> listening, was uh, the three comedians who actually also happen to be car enthusiasts, and um, they're actually certified to be race car drivers, but it's like a variety show, and they do like uh, test drives on Ferraris and stuff. Well, one of the guys punched the producer out, and it's an English show. He punched the producer out, and they all got fired. <laughs> so what happens is they start another show with Amazon Prime called um, the Grand Tour, where they usually they drive like they did one the first season of the show. They were in Motor City. One had a Mustang, like the highest output Mustang that they have. Another guy drove the Dodge Demon, which makes the Hellcat look like a like a street car. Another guy had um, the Camaro um, Exorcist, which was supposed to exercise the demon. And they drove around and they just tore these cars up. So I like watching stuff like that because you know what? There's there's no emotions. I'm not crying. Nobody's heart's getting broken. Um, it's not scripted. Well, it is scripted, but it's not a scripted romance. It's not like Jersey Shore or anything like that. Oh, we have a monkey. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So like I said, he, he's our mascot. He runs around and he's asking. Well, not only I gotta get him a tissue. <laughs> um, so Chris, what shows do you like watching? Um. Well, when I have time for it, it it really depends because I work a ton uh, as it is, but. I will watch. Uh, I'm into kind of some of these police shows that they have out there, into Blue Bloods and the new SWAT. I don't know. I really don't watch too much TV though. Um, I've been getting into Beach House Bargain Hunt. That's a good one. What is that? What, is that Beach on like Travel Channel or no, it's DYI or? It's on. Uh, maybe DYI. Maybe it is DYI. Yeah. And then there's uh, Million Dollar Mansions. Like I've seen that. Is that that like wicked eccentric dude who's wearing like glittery clothes and stuff? Yeah, yeah, that guy. But, and he helps uh, try and people who like won the lottery find their dream home. Oh yeah, did that see that? See, I that interests me. You know, I like those, yeah. but it also it's things that I can add to my wish list that I know I will never get when I. Look well, who knows? Isn't it like six hundred and something million? Six fourteen twenty. Five million, I believe, which the cash option translates out to three hundred and eighty-nine, I believe. How do you beat well, that? You don't buy a I, private island. Yeah, and then you move all your friends there, and, and we have 
the Eric Lamash band play every Friday night. Every Friday, the same five songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> like, hey, Clapton, get up here and teach Eric another song. I want you. We yeah. could. I mean, we could afford it. Yeah. yeah. Have Zach Brown open up for you. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> but you know, with Mindy, Mindy will actually direct her own musical that you'll like. No, she. It would be called The Bachelor. <laughs> She'd be the bartender. Yeah, this is us, the <laughs> musical. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I don't really do too much other no. TV things. So what do you? Well, so you're a dispatch. You work a zillion and a half hours. So what do you do to relax? What do you do to unwind and decompress? Well, so nobody's on the phone with me usually when I either leave work or I'm headed to work because that's kind of takes me 20 minutes to get from my house to my to work and. uh Yes, I will call you Scott on occasion when I leave because I have four missed calls or something, or I put you on hold five hundred mm-hmm. times. Um, but well, for er- to fill Eric and, and everybody listening in, so the way Chris and my mind works is if I don't get it out of my head immediately into somebody else to hear it, it's gone. Yep. So we have literally it's like that shelf life of like it's like lobster. If you don't go, and I said lobster, so it's like lobster. If you don't cook it right away, it goes bad. So that's all my ideas. I Like, in the middle of the night, I'll text Chris at 3 in the morning. Hey, I had a great idea. Check out this T-shirt. And guess what? I usually respond because I'm usually <laughs> awake. <laughs> so that's how, that's how my mind works, and that's how I justify calling you 55 times a day. Yeah, so. but, you know, I mean, I usually have my, uh, my time where I'll listen to music or some stupid show that I found on YouTube or something on my phone on my ride home or to work and just kind of get ready or de-stress from the day. Speaking of... Mindy, are you from around here originally? Where are you from? Where, Massachusetts. Oh, where? wow. Where? Uh, way out there, huh? So, Chris, why don't you... <laughs> Chris found this amazing video uh, clip, and I think that we should listen to it because it, for those people who are listening on the West Coast or not out of Massachusetts, they might actually... You'll figure out how things are said. And, and you can't see it, but if you listen to it, it'll, uh, it'll make a lot of sense for you. So, just so everybody has a background, it's uh, on the new... Uh, social media app TikTok, which really goes for uh, kind of teenage kids in high school and stuff, and it's by Danny Tanner Drip, um, is the one who made this. If you're ever in Massachusetts, you might want to know this stuff. All these towns, and in H A M, these ones are pronounced Ham, these ones are pronounced Um, Framingham, Wareham, Bellingham, Waltham, Wilbraham, Ashburnham. Dedham, Needham, Rentham, Hingham, Chatham, Pelham, Stoneham, Rainham, Wenham. A lot of these places. All right, and see, you can listen to that guy, and if you listen really close, you'll hear his child yell in the background just like mm-hmm. mine does. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I'm like, am I the only one that caught that? All right, go ahead, sorry. These are named after places in England or in the English style. You have Lemonster, Leicester, Worcester, Gloucester, Weymouth, Yard. I don't know what happened. I don't know, but he, he left off at Yarmouth. <laughs> it goes Yarmouth, uh, Rehoboth, Barnstable, Dunstable, and then there's Native Origins added in there as well. What are those? Only two, right? Two in the state that are named after yep, the Native Origins. What is that? Situ- no, what is that? Situus and... Cochichuit and uh, Situit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I knew one of them. So. And then you have like Redding, yeah. which is actually spelled Reading, yeah. Haverhill, Haverhill. Yeah, we, I've gotten that before. Like, I've called down south to talk to uh, other law enforcement agents. They're like, are you from Pepper Hill? Oh. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm close to Pepper Hill. Or uh, or Worcester? Is Worcester out there? Leicester. 
Yeah, Leicester. Leicester. Le- yeah, Leicester. You love by Leicester. Leicester. So, but yeah, so yeah, we pronounce things very strange up here. But then, then again, everybody does. So, if you ever talk to anybody from Louisiana, mm. you really need somebody with a black magic marker <laughs> and a big piece of white paper to to translate for you because I have no idea. I was my roommate in the army was from Louisiana, and I had no idea what this kid was saying half the time. Like to the point we look at each other and we just make it up because we had no, I'm like, Travis, I have no idea what you're saying at this point. Oh. I will say I uh, ended up calling New, what was it, New New York City the other day yeah. uh, for something t- in regards to a uh, wanted person. And <laughs> listening to people in Queens and Brooklyn and all the uh, jails over there, yeah, their accent and stuff is... I was like, had to say to the lady more than once on what, what, what? Yeah, because like yeah, you're doing sandwich. that. You're like what, what? And hey, when you're in the military, where was the the worst DI or sergeant that hated you because you were from Boston or, or from uh, in the military? When you're when you're from Massachusetts, you're from Boston automatically. You're from Boston, <laughs> right? So I had um I had one from Georgia, who absolutely she hated my guts because I was from Boston. That's all she. she Boston, what are you doing, Boston? Boston, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me, Boston. You're embarrassing yourself all the time because of Boston. Like, I could have been the best person in the world. But it was Boston, 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 Boston. How about you? Midwest area, uh, the two of our um, company commanders. But when we we had to get water, um, we had to announce. We had to slap our arm on the wall and say who we were, which company we're in. And then you had to ask for permission to get water. Um, And so, I obviously, I said, WADA. Compartment watch reporting, sir. Water, 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 <laughs> and I got hell for that, mm-hmm. you know. But park my car. In park my car. Yard. No, and nobody says it. We've up, we've done this so many times. If you, you know, obviously you started listening to us because we invited you on. But we've talked about this worst fake Boston accents all the time, and it's, <laughs> oh God, it's brutal. I but think I got the. I think I got the rest of the story. All right, yeah, so. put it on for us. Uh, these ones are all pretty tough: Tuxbury, Billerica, Reading, Peabody, Quincy, Carlisle, Haverhill, Lowell, Stoughton, Woburn. Uh, these two are counties, Suffolk, and then Norfolk, Norfolk, or Norfolk, but Norfolk is wrong. Norfolk. And uh, this is the towny bonus round. Wareham, Lemonster, Leicester, Worcester, Gloucester, Yarmouth, Barnstable, Carlisle, Woburn, Dorchester, Winchester, Watertown, Charlestown, Boston. Go Sox. Go Sox. Go Sox. I found that today as I was uh, perusing the internet. No, that, that's great. Um, I mean, I know that we're, we're eating up a lot of time, but uh, you know what? I don't care. You guys care? You going anywhere? No? So, uh, what the? <laughs> Blackout. <laughs> so, um, so I found this thing. It was actually sent to me from a good friend of the organization's, uh, Dr. Kip Lashota. Uh, Dr. Kip is a great guy. He's got a service dog, Max. Uh, he offers Max up to uh, traumatic situations. So he actually sent um, a thing to us. It's the nine steps of being happy. Um so I printed it out, and I thought it was actually some pretty good stuff. And I and by reading it, I, I realized that a lot of our programs actually do this automatically. I was going to say, I... It looks familiar, doesn't I it? I briefly went through it, and uh, all nine, it, yeah. it's true. And uh, our program, the Hidden Battles programs, definitely uh, hit on them. Yeah. So the first one is it's just focus on relationships, which I think is, you know, a cooking program does that, focuses on relationships. 100%. And it says that, you know, it says that um, one of the keys to happiness is uh, a good relationship, and that it says that um, that this woman Gretchen Rubin. Uh, why do women always write relationship books? <laughs> what are you laughing at over there? 
So she actually wrote, and she says, um, she wrote uh, the Happiness Project. Uh, she said the means, uh, uh, romantic relationships, friendships, close close ties with siblings and colleagues, all meaningful with deep bonds with people you like. So it's saying that you surround yourself by good people in a sense, right? So it's saying that you know really focus on your relationship, make people happy in your life, and you know the happy wife, happy life, uh, happy hubby, life is bubbly. I don't know, whatever. So um. So they, she talks about that. It says, uh, if, if you're thinking about how to be happier, think about how to deepen or broaden your relationship is probably a really good place to start. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like, listen, I'm no expert in relationships, but I'm thinking that it's like make the best of what you have. It could always be worse and it could probably be better. And if it's probably can be better, then it's something you should work on. So, you know, off of that, it's it's not just talking about the relationship with your significant other. It's talking about the relationship with your family. Yep. So obviously we have the couples cooking class for you and your significant other. But on yeah, top of it, we have know. the family days, the family mm-hmm. movie nights that we put on. Yeah. And even if people have brought in their children. They brought in like their 17-year-old team. Because when is, realistically, when is the worst time to have a relationship with your kid? I'm going to tell you, teenage years. So when... <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. So, um, but that's the thing. Like we have, um, uh, we had a, a couple guys bring their teenage kids, yeah, you know, right. and that was actually really good. Um, so it, what's the second one? The second one is, is, uh, don't fall for the trap of thinking that I will be happy when, so don't give the old, you know, uh, I'll be happy when, uh, I, you know, when I win the lottery, I'll be happy when I get that raise. I'll be happy. It's kind of like when I get that ha- promotion. Yeah. It's kind of like, be happy with what you got now and everything else is just a bonus. And like I said, I, I am reading this because I, I learned a lot from reading this, but it says like a, like the other thing, like it said, if I get the promotion, I win the the lottery. You know, realistically, those aren't they might not have happened. So you're gonna be a miserable f, f person. So but j- just I, lo- just that was a good catch. It. Yeah, just look, it's six hundred and twenty-five million for Powerball or Mega Millions, whatever it is. Yeah. Nobody's won that yet. Have you ever seen those documentaries that they talk about how it's actually made people's lives more miserable? Yeah, and then people are bankrupt in a year. I don't know how you go bankrupt in a year, but don't uh, aren't there stories where people have been murdered over this ticket? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, you may win, but but and think about it. Then every person that you've ever wronged, or every person that's ever you've ever done anything for you, or whatever. Now everybody comes out of the woodwork and they want that money. I right? told I told Mindy that yesterday. Yeah. I said I don't know if I'd have to find somebody that I really trust that to cash it because you, well, what was that North Carolina that one billion dollar winner didn't she stay anonymous and she hide it and everything else and she actually went wait, it was Supreme Court went and said that she could actually people could now remain anonymous which would be the yeah. best thing in the world although I think people would really figure it out if you just up and left with a big middle <laughs> finger poster well, on your front lawn <laughs> well that's the thing like I wouldn't right away I wouldn't uh, just get up and, and leave if I was yeah. to go someplace and do this anonymously first off everybody at my bank is going to know because how many people have six hundred and twenty-five million dollars in their bank account? Not me. No, no. I think Santander would probably give a, a facelift to their <laughs> this store if you actually put it in there, and then they have an extra guy to help you out when you walk in. Um, so, wow, look at that. We segued into the next thing. Don't look for <laughs> to money for happiness, right? So it also says that it says that uh, if you make seven hundred no, seventy-five a year, uh, doesn't mean you have to affect your content. One study found. Is this another woman who wrote another? The article. Book of Joy. The Book of Joy. Oh, yeah. Oh, By no, the Dalai no, Lama. No, Dalai Lama. No, not a man. He's a man. Um, so it says, the ultimate source of happiness is within us. Not money, not power, not status. Obviously, there was no internet at this time or no social media because your status is everything now, right? <laughs> um, some of my some of my friends are billionaires, which I'm going to call it the Dalai Lama right now. I don't think any of your friends are billionaires. 
Maybe they were. None of I don't know. Yeah. So uh, it says, but there are very unhappy people. Uh, power and money fail to bring inner peace. Uh, outward attainment will not bring the real inner joyfulness. Uh, we must look inside. But you know what? And that's true because I know people that don't have anything. They don't have a pot to piss in, nothing. And they're the happiest people I know. You know what I think is? It's like, it's like Biggie said, more money, more problems. Uh, you know, just always have a positive outlook on stuff. You know, it could be so much worse. Yeah, stay uh-huh. off social media because that never gives you a positive outlook on anything. Unless you look at my happiness post of the day, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, hmm. You could always be authentic. Oh, that'd be a good one. It's not that that would probably be number ten. The second one is keep working. So uh, they say that when you oh, that's what I have to start doing then. Be authentic. No, no. Be ah. Or be that or cut keep deep. That cut deep, Chris. That was mean. No, well, keep, number you know, four keep, is be authentic. Yeah, no, I skipped that one. I know. <laughs> but what was that at the end of my page? What's number yeah, four? What's number five? Because it says number six is keep working. Yeah, number five is skip number five. <laughs> yeah, it goes from four to six. But somebody knows how to count. Yeah, no, I, you know. So, but oh, they look at look. It says uh, be yourself. It says uh, it says do what you like to do Saturday mornings. Uh, you like to do anything? Cook, play guitar, like Eric. Work out. Uh, and then it says, uh, "Just be you." So, and that's the, uh, that's one of those things. You know, it. it I. I am not fake. I, you like me for like me, and if you don't, then I'm sorry. But uh, then there's another one. We'll jump up to six again. It says, uh, "Keep working." So there's um, it says residents of Okinawa, Japan, who haven't been traumatized by the Marines that are stationed there. <laughs> one of the world's blue zones, where people live extraordinary long lives, don't have. A word for retirement. Rather, they use some word I can't pronounce. Which tra- yeah, that's it. Which translates as the reason you get out of bed for in the morning for work. Um, so that includes volunteering, other satisfies uh, that are that are for us. So one person said. So basically, that's so if you see like the older person working at market basket and stuff, that's really if you just keep moving, because that's what is it? We were um we were gonna start talking about that too. So after retirement, they. They say there's like huge, um, like people just they, they pass away after a time because yeah. there's like nothing for them to do anymore, right? It's like my grandmother. She'd get up every day at the same exact time, leave the house at the exact same time, go to church every day, with the exception of Tuesdays because there was no church on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. and then she'd go whatever she did, but she had a routine. Mm-hmm. And you know, unfortunately, now she's in a assisted living, but. Um, she doesn't really have that routine anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true. Because like, you, you see, like, even, like, the 90-something. Was it that Vietnam? No, that World War II veteran that just died, right? It was, like, the the oldest World War II yeah. veteran was 104 the years old. Was the uh, one in Lowell, right? No, 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 no. Where did you, Eric, do you feel, help us out here, Eric, would you? Oh, You'd do something, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're looking pretty. Yes, What's wrong with are. you? That's a mini job. <laughs> I don't know what uh was that the one in Methuen that had all the people uh, he had no family? No, no. This this was a, this was um he was a Tuscan uh one of the Tuscan or uh, Tuscan it was in uh, country. It wasn't no, in the no, 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 he was, was no, it was down south. So I'm um, look him up, Chris. The oldest <laughs> veteran? Yeah, he was uh he was a Tuskegee um airman and he would uh and he was like 104 and he passed away. And he was one of those guys that just every day was doing something. Yeah, Richard Arvin Overton. Yes, that's him. Two hundred and two hundred. No, he was one hundred and twelve <laughs> and two hundred and thirty days old. Oh, I'm sorry, two hundred something. Was he Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so I mean, you see like the old guys that are out there. Even like you, you go to like a Dunkin' Donuts. If you go to Dunkin' Donuts at nine o'clock in the morning, like the rest of us retired people, um, you'll see like the old vets sitting there, and they all sit down, and they have coffee, and they eat the shared donut, which is the reason why they're alive. Or you could I just be more. like Dr. Kim. Oh, Eric, are you familiar with Dr. Kim? I I, I don't know who Dr. Johnny Kim. Is. Kim. All right, so <laughs> so you know how uh, know how Trump he uh, designed. And you're giggling. He, know how Trump designed uh, Space Force? <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to laugh, but wait, not anymore. So Dr. Kim, 34? Yes, 34. 34-year-old Th- Navy SEAL, doctor, just graduated astronaut school. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, yeah. You 34 feel like years old. Yeah, 34. Yeah. I've, I've accomplished nothing in my life compared to this guy. But yeah, so it was a Navy SEAL. He, saw his, uh, he was a sniper on a Navy SEAL team. His partner got killed. After his partner got killed, he said, you know what? I want to learn more about medicine. Became a uh, physician. And then decided, you know what? Hey, maybe I'll try to get into NASA. Was accepted into NASA and just graduated the NASA program. So, yeah, un- unless. So, Dr. Kim's going to run out of stuff to do. And he's going to be dead by the time he's 41. Yeah. Natural causes, though. Because I don't wish to hate on Dr. Kim because I actually admire him and I think that's awesome. So, I just, I'm on the NASA website about uh, do- astronaut candidate Johnny Kim. Oh, my God. And uh, he's due to graduate, it looks like. I thought he already graduated. Didn't we tell everybody last last episode he graduated? Oh, just kidding. Yeah, this was fake up, news? This or? Yeah, way, way to misinform people, Chris. <laughs> this was updated uh, well before the last one. Yeah, this episode brought to you by uh, 1792 Whiskey. Just want to let everybody know that. Um. Hmm. Still got a little, you got a little left in there. Do you want to finish that? Thank you. He's also a resident physician at Mass General Hospital. Oh, see, that's the connect. That's why he's so amazing. He's from Massachusetts, or he works in Massachusetts. No, he was born born and raised in L.A. Yeah, but then he got smart and he moved out of Smogville and came to Massachusetts. And he, his personal data, he his interests include spending time with his family, volunteering for nonprofits, with uh, veteran organizations. If he's going to run out of things to do, I think the whole goal is to never stop moving, but don't move that fast. Yeah. Is that the whole thing? Well, he's been moving fast ever since he, I think he came out of the womb. I mean, we, we had a, a guy in Lowell uh, worked uh, for 40-plus years um, in the uh, neighborhood department. Uh, he just retired last year, and he just died. Really? Didn't oh. even get a chance to enjoy his retirement. 66 years old. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there was, um, there was remember um, that state trooper, Jaws? Jawakis? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, Eric, so I worked with him a couple times. He was on the state police truck team. He had retired from the Marines. Then became a trooper, and then at 70 years old, they kicked him out of the state police. He wow. was out there, and this guy would go fist to cuffs with anybody. He was just that guy. But yeah, they had to they had to force him out. So I, I don't know. I haven't heard what happened to him, but he's too oh, he's too honorary to die. He's like he's gonna be somebody's gonna find his body in like a million years, and they're gonna go. Oh, I think he was that pot alligator or something, because he's just like prehistoric. This guy, if you haven't met him, wicked nice guy as long as you're a cop. Other than that, yeah. But good luck. Yeah. All right. So let's go. Move to a happy place. Hawaii was once uh, this. Uh, it says Hawaii has once gained the top of the Gallup National Health and Well-Being Index for the happiest and healthiest place in the United States. Residents uh, enjoy warm relationships. Um, you know what? If the weather's nice all the time, you knock out depression. Right. Because Seattle's huge for depression. It, uh, it's huge for our suicide. San Francisco, same thing. The happiest um, cities, it says frequent winners include Naples, Florida, Boulder, Colorado, and Provo, Utah. Yeah. Well, that's because Utah has 
I don't know. So now, oh, you know, Dixon's not in Salt Lake. Salt Lake is another smog pit, right? So, but no, I mean, think about it that if you're in a place that's really, really fantastic all the time, I imagine you'd be happier, right? Yeah. Like, there's no 30 inches of snow to go out and shovel, and then you have to deal with this black slush all the time after. Or you could come to our therapeutic yoga class and go to your own happy place. Oh, that's true, too. That was a nice segue. You know who wants to move to um, Kona, Hawaii when they retire? Eric? Other than Eric and Mindy? No, Dave Susie, our webmaster. Oh. So, yeah. Dave Susie. Different Dave Susie. Okay. I didn't realize how popular the name Dave Susie was. Dave Susie, who owns Barefoot Web Design. Okay. Is not the same Dave Susie of uh, Heart of the Traveling Soldier, Dave Susie, nor is he the Dave Susie from AMP Photography out of uh, Concord, New Hampshire. <laughs> There's three Dave Susies I know. He's not? No. All three different people. So what Dave Susie am I following on Facebook? So <laughs> I, are you following Dave Susie from Barefoot? No, APM. Oh, all right. So a uh, so good friend of the organization. Um, that's uh, Jim Russo. Yeah. Yeah, he's associated with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you wrong Dave Susie. Oops. But no, but follow Dave Susie, Heart of the Traveling Soldier. That guy's a good, good guy. People. Yeah, he's uh, actually they're all all three of them are good guys. But I and would talented. say, yeah, I would say that uh, our Dave Susie is an amazing web designer. I would say that Dave Susie, Heart of the Traveling Soldier, he is a really genuinely really great guy, and he's sick, and we wish him uh, the best. Um, and Dave Susie from a photographic memory, APM. Yeah, is a very good photographer. Yeah, he is. He um he actually. He's not as good as Jim Russo, who's a friend of ours, but he's pretty good. And Jim works for him. All right, seek meaning to your life. What's what's the meaning of your life, Chris? I'll tell you, the meaning of my life is to, to come on this earth and make it a better place before I leave. I try. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's use my skills, knowledge, that's ability, and everything else yeah. and yeah. see if I can make someone's day. Yeah, not to, not to provide uh, or produce an offspring that'll drive everybody crazy, Craig Hyder. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take uh, walks outside. What? Oh, it sounds like rocking almost, right? So, um, yeah, and you can't really talk bad about this guy because he's from one of the most favorite places in the world. He's from the University of Utah. So, um, but yeah, so what, go outside. It says going to nature changes how your brain works. It produces, uh, it reduces stress levels and boosts well-being. Said Doctor Stair or David Stair, professor of psychology at University of Utah. And I said, yeah, Utah. You notice how I put an R in that, and there is no R in that, but every word that has an R, I don't pronounce an R? Yeah. And Southerners add it, like oh, war- Warsh. Oh, Warsh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Warsh McClose. Yeah, Warsh McClose or, uh, or Earl. Earl. You better show that vehicle has some Earl in it. Um, so where were we? There we go. Uh, when you're enjoying nature, the part of the brain associated with being mindful becomes more active. There's also an exercise component. Which has positive effects on mood. If you can manage to get yourself into the park, place to jog, walk, just enjoy, be in nature, and leave the phone behind for 30 minutes. That's what he says. So that's that. You, we just summed up the the rocking program, right? We did. Yeah. So wow, that was yeah. Thanks, David Stair. Thanks for promoting our rocking program for us. Um, Mindy, what do you do to lose stress besides watch? This is us and <laughs> The Bachelor and. I do love my TV. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm a I love TV. Oh. I do. I love my TV. Yeah. She loves boots. She has like twelve pairs. Yeah, you know what? Uh, last time I I, I saw you, you had boots on too. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I just started wearing slippers. 
I've never worn slippers in my life, and I just started wearing them. And I did, I actually ran upstairs during this broadcast to get a pair on. And Maybe someday you could have twelve pair. Oh, nice. Eleven. You know, my wife. I should. We should have a whole episode on her purse collection. You should go check that out. You could probably borrow a purse for every pair of boots you have because she has them. I think she has one for every pair of boots. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. She's got all these high-end purses, but it's my fault because I'm the one who buys them for her. Hmm. So. You haven't even seen when it's summertime if there's flip-flops. She's got a. She has a oh. co- whole collection of those too. Wait, all right. So this is the way that we find out if you're a professional flip flopper. <laughs> when you walk, does it go? Ah, uh, see, if you can do it without that flippity floppity noise, then you're a trained professional. Yeah, but if, if it flips and flops, it's all about just being casual and relaxing. But if you're trying to make it not make the noise, then you're really, you're working at it. No, I'm talking about people who, like, sashay through the park, who are, like, walking <laughs> so, like, just like, like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo walk, you know, where you don't have a, a clap or a clip or a, a flip or anything. And they just, like, they're, like, flip-flop ninjas that could sneak up on you and take you out with that flip-flop. That's those, those are the people like that when you're on the beach. And then you get like the novice flip-floppers who it's like when they're walking past you on the beach and you're like, oh, first time in flip-flops. Or in the mall. Yeah, yeah. Who couldn't You couldn't sneak up on anybody in those things. <laughs> so, all right. So I'm going to say that you're, you're borderline professional flip-flopper. All right. More of a professional boot Okay. Professional boot wearer. Yeah. I like oh. it. Nice. I like it. We have to stop going to Nashville for that reason. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. When are you going to Nashville again? Um, I don't know when, but, I mean. Scott I, and I would love to join. I am dying to go to Nashville. I have friends in Nashville. Nashville is amazing. And it's it's like, and I don't even like country, but I will go down there for the live music. Because I don't care. You, so I will tell you, some of the best times I've ever had is going to Folk Fest. And I will, and I love just live music. Like, I thought a few years ago they had, um, they had an Ethiopian band. And they were like super high energy, and they were like probably like the Macklemore of like Ethiopian bands, and they were really really good. And we had followed them around all day long to the different stages because they were that good. I don't understand a damn thing they were saying, but it was good energy and it was good live music. And it, that's why like when we sit there and we talk about where we want to go, Chris and I always say, "Let's go to Nashville," because there's like a live band all the time, all day long from 10 a.m. till yeah. till three. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, Broadway Street, mm-hmm. both sides of the street. You won't be able to. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's just a, a lot of fun. Uh, you ever go to the concert in Boston, the street party? I have uh, worked it the past, like, six years. That's awesome. Free concert. They're a little uh, crazy, though. Um, the, the really? You were talking about the fans and yeah. and today. They're just they're nuts. Um, we're, I'm getting to the point where we're, I, I'm too old to be getting up close. Mm-hmm. Um after they've had a few beers, they want to elbow you, they shove you. They I like to stay oh, in see. the back. Yeah. You need to, I think. See, um, that's just the evolution of oldness because I'm like, a, I'm a metal fan. I love heavy metal, like old heavy metal, like this new, I don't understand what you're saying, heavy metal. But in the like when I was younger, I would go into the mosh pit, right? Now, well, my back hurts the day after watching the mosh pit. But I, but I still enjoy it. Like, I'll watch the mosh pit because that's part of the whole thing. But still, like, but when I was in the mosh pit, it was like a happy mosh pit. You know, like people, yeah, and you bounce into people. Now people like just throwing punches, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like drop kicking and they're like bringing <laughs> jujitsu into the mosh pit. And that shit just doesn't belong there, you know? So I don't know. Maybe it's but, just the cop in me to stay in. Like, I always get there early. Yeah. I'm the one of the first ones to leave. That's why I'm in the, also in the back. Well, that's not the cop in you. You're the last guy to leave if you're a cop because you're like, who's signing my slip? Who's no, signing my slip yeah. before I leave? But. No, I usually, uh, like, even if I just go there to enjoy. Yeah. 
you know. So you leave before it gets bad. I leave before it gets bad. Right. Get out of the city before everybody and their mother is leaving. But while I'm at the back, I can look at everybody. Mm. See, I am the complete opposite. I am a concert snob. If I'm not on the rail, front row, I don't want to be there. I only like general admission concerts. I don't like picking a seat. And I'm the guy at the very end of the show. I'm hanging out with the band after. Because I'll hang out by the tour buses and talk to them yeah, before the true. show and after the show. And then I'm backstage at, you know, at the after party. So that's that's how I am. But, yeah, no, I, I, like, I'm a concert snob. I, like, handpick my, my concerts. I even say, all right, this year I'm going to four shows. And it's going to be this, 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 and this. I'm not going to a show where the guy's been on tour for the last ten years with this farewell tour. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a, you know, farewell forever tour. It's been that way forever, but so I'm, I'm kind of a snob, but. Okay, we'll go see Caroline Gray and, uh. Oh, yeah, we, have you guys seen Caroline Gray? Have not. She is great. She actually played for us last year yeah. for our fundraiser. She's really good. And I believe I've secured is, her already again for this year. Is Ooh, that nice. the young girl that's. Nope. It's, uh, we, it, she is, um. The one that came back that? from Nashville. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's maybe 24. Okay. 25 and then we yeah and then we had another girl who sang was like 15 yeah bella country girl. yeah bella country girl um, from Methuen. yeah and sorry bella but i don't remember anybody's name unless i hate you so um but yeah so caroline played for us and then we had a year before we had a, a kid kevin white kevin white actually works for uh music amplification uh, company he works down in tennessee now he relocated down there and he was in a band called i believe walk the line and now they still play around here, but he comes up every once in a while and plays with them. But Kevin's very talented. Then there's another kid, John McNamara from Westford. Yeah, he's he, down in Tennessee. Yeah, he's down in Tennessee. He's playing like every single night down there, um, which is great. But, yeah, I want to go to Southern Ground. I'm trying to see if I can get John to come up here uh, oh. for September 28th, which is the Cornhole Tournament. Oh, nice. That'd be good. Oh. If not, I'll just have to – well, every member of Boston's dying off, so we can't get them. <laughs> It's my all-time favorite band, by the way, Boston. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Well, I'll be glad to announce the one-man show, Eric Lamont. Oh. I'll be up there. I'll be like, next up. It's okay. Scott He's playing that Alan Jackson song again. Yes. <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott will sing for you. How's that? Scott yeah. will sing. You don't want me to sing. No. Unless we, we're going to sing Rawhide over and over again like the Blues Brothers. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there any... Um, I mean, I know, it, I know it's it's not a huge place, but are there any bands or anything coming up or touring in that area that might do something a benefit? We've uh, we've actually reached out to a bunch of like nationally signed bands, and and for the money that they wanted, we actually reached out to a couple bands. Uh, we reached out to my favorite band, uh, and they wanted twenty five hundred bucks for me to use fifteen seconds of uh, one of their songs. Then we reached out to a veteran band, which is a great band. This band, Madison Rising, they're actually dubbed the most patriotic rock band in America. Um, the Lead singer is a 20-year Air Force veteran. Um, their guitarist has been in a couple bands, and they—they're absolutely amazing. They were on uh, HBO Vice as um, most patriotic rock band. We met them at the um, Swim with the Mission event, and they gave us a $250 if we could use one of their songs, the rights to it. But we, the 250 bucks—that's a—that's one of our events, you know. Yeah, they so. make money. And I—and I get it. Listen, you pay, be paid for your craft. I, you know what? I get you. Uh, you know so. Um, but which was a huge discount because they normally do 1500 you know. But we've asked, uh, we tried to get Madison Rising to do one of our shows, and it's just it wouldn't, with their touring schedule and where we would be able to have them and stuff, it just didn't work out. And, I mean, we've talked to other places. We were involved loosely with um, the Rock for Heroes concert that came. Um, 
that pause is just for me to try to like politically correctness and be nice to everybody but that really didn't work out well for people because it wasn't a real draw for the the artists that came up like those artists are huge down south mm -hmm. and they're like that rebel country party countries type of stuff and they had come up and those guys are huge down there and if you look they're playing four or five thousand seats a night down there they came up here and there was like 800 tickets sold and it was and nobody made any money so we're, we're so conscious about where our money's going as far as you know our programs and stuff it's hard for us to actually commit to like a rock show or, or something because it's, mm -hmm. if we lose money it's it's going to be horrible. and you know we're 100 percent all uh donor funded and uh yeah i mean nobody gets paid no, we don't yeah you know. scott me leslie everybody else on the board nobody takes uh any money out of it uh so 99.3 percent or whatever it is no it's, it's like uh what are we 98.3 percent 98.3 goes back in the profile directly uh, right to the uh profile uh, uh, and uh, then everybody asks well where's that other 1.8 percent yeah, that's for legal that's for accounting that's for administration fees and that's that's almost not it would be it's cheaper for us to do that with the little community foundation than it is for us to go get our own accountant and file for our 501c3 on our own and it's just it, as far as the way we look at it is the more money into the program the better it is so and plus yeah they have a great they, they advise us what to do and what not to do and they, and they really have our best interest in mind so i mean we would honestly we would love to get together we've talked with uh veterans assisting veterans vav mm -hmm. about doing a show but they lost their shirt on a show too. Um, they did. Uh, was it John Gaffney and Beaver Brown Band? And right, and it was. It wasn't a big. Uh, no, they might have had three, three or four hundred people. Yeah, and that was. And I mean, so and they lost their shirts on that. So it's it's really hard, it's a hard market to kind of get. And the only way, only thing I honestly think that we would grab a big draw, is if we had like Jay Giles Band, somebody local. You mm -hmm. know, we can't afford Dropkick Murphys. We can't afford Flogging Mollies. We can't afford, you know, like the big Boston bands like that. Like if we had the Jay Giles Band come. But then again, I've seen uh, Danny Klein, who actually owns all the rights to the Jay Giles. I've seen him at the Bull Run. What's yeah. that? What's that seat? Hundred people. If that. Yeah. So I mean, uh, well, it, no. It well, just, it's so hard. each table is ten is ten people, and there's probably. 50, no, it's more than fifty. I don't know. Tables. So yeah, I, I mean, you're figuring maybe hundred people total. Hundred, yeah. tops. So I mean, it's just a, it's a hard market. We just I don't think that right now. I think if we if we were Nashville, I think it would be so much easier if we did like a, a music festival down in Nashville. I think mm -hmm. it would be you know like uh, we're trying to get involved with the uh, Greater Lowell. What is that? The the summer concert series yes. with Jean Dac Credit Union and, and and stuff like that. And the, uh, Heritage was it Lowell Heritage or whatever. So um, so we're trying to get involved with that too, but. I mean, even the bands that they get, sometimes you go and they have like the Almond Brothers or like the two guys from the Almond Brothers and you look and they're not even sold out. So it's just, it's it's kind of a hard market to try to get. You know, we've talked about comedy nights. We've talked about, all, you know, magic nights, it's like just different things to draw people. But right now it just doesn't seem uh, economical for yeah, it's a, it just takes a, to do. Yeah, it just takes a way too much of a have our money to actually do that right now so have you had a lot of success with the uh the squares that you yeah we do well in squares <laughs> are you, do, do are you well. doing the uh, march madness we are yeah we're we've teamed up with uh team forever young which was my first um suicide prevention team and we just so we just sold out um a bracket square for that and it's actually you keep the same squares for the whole the whole thing so so we yeah we we fig we did that 
So we'll make a little money on that, and that'll actually go all racked back into our programs. But the Super Bowl, we made good money with the Super Bowl. Super Bowl scores, we usually, you know, I when we first were thinking of it, I was like, you know what? I saw it on Facebook. One of my friends did it for one of their foundations. I was like, hey, do you mind if I steal this? And she was like, yeah, go ahead. I stole it. I changed a few of the numbers a little bit. And, uh, you know, because it was my first one, I was like, yeah, you know. You know what really stinks is it, it, it? it's like – you know, we work well with Team Forever Young, and, and, and just uh, here's my disclaimer. it's This is not them I'm talking about when I say this uh, thing because a lot of people will say, oh, they think they talk about that. I came up with this amazing idea. Um, I went down and I talked to a couple people about this amazing idea I had. And they said, you know who you need to contact? You need to contact X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z. I contacted X, Y, and Z. He said, that is a horrible idea. I don't even know why you would do that. Guess what that dickhead did? He took your idea. Yeah, I took my idea, and he's doing great with it. I never, I stopped giving my ideas. I, yeah, I mean, me and Chris were like, like right now, the only way we help people, like we, we love Nancy and everybody over there at Team Forever Young, and we work with them. But there are some people that legitimately, they send us emails all the time. Hey, do you think, do you think maybe we can work with you on this? And we're like, no, no, because you know what, we do all the work a lot of the time. Um, with the exception, we just did that uh, that joint um, joint fundraiser with Medford Fire, Medford Police, yeah. and that was that was a good one because everybody did a lot of work and we raised some good money. We had an amazing event. We but had yeah. Renee Rancourt. Yeah, Renee Rancourt awesome. came out. Yeah, so it was a good time, you know. And, and kids had fun, and a lot of people were planning on leaving because they had a practice right before that, but they ended up staying. But there are some ideas that we come up with that are freaking this Stella. And then next thing you know, we're like, wait, oh, geez, that sounds familiar, you know. Uh, like cornhole tournaments. There wasn't many cornhole tournaments when we started. Now everybody's doing them. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, all right, I get it. And even the last cornhole tournament we had, um, somebody decided to have a Veterans for Housing cornhole tournament the same exact day as ours in Tuxbury on the same exact day. And they ended up booking the same wicked cornhole as we did to run their show. And Bruce is like, you know, it's my business. I'm like, Bruce, I don't have a problem with that. That's cool. Bruce still advertised the crap out of us. We had a great showing. But he even tried to make these other people who have no vested interest in veterans except for trying to raise a lot of money and lay look at me, you know. Um, and they they wouldn't budge. He's like, why don't you have it a little later so when these guys finish, you can have their crowd. Nope, we want it at the same time. And it's just when it comes to, like, fundraising, it's, like, so cutthroat now. Mm -hmm. You know, with GoFundMe and, you know, all these other things. And it's just hard. And especially there's a, you know, there's a, a fundraiser for everything now. And it's just every, if you think about it, look at Facebook. Every weekend there's a fundraiser for Every something. birthday. Every, yeah. What do you want to do for your birthday month? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give. Yeah. yeah. What, what's that little girl's name? Who uh, Dakota. Yeah, she, uh, she's a Facebook sensation. She Loves Police is the uh, name of her page. And she's a little nine-year-old girl from Mansfield, Mass. Yeah. And, uh. Her mission is to go around to every police department, all 365 towns in Massachusetts, and visit each one of their departments and thank them for what they do every day. Yeah, for her birthday, she does the same thing. She does about, Even Molly. Molly, this girl, she's been doing, what, eight years? Not, this was her ninth, ninth, year? ninth year. So for her birthday, she said, I want to party, I want to fundraise, and I want to raise money to, to uh, raise money for ballistic vests for dogs. With Mass Vested Dog. So, yeah, you're right. Every birthday, even on Facebook, uh, you know, don't give me a gift now. It's like I have a fundraiser for palsy, cerebral palsy. I have one for muscle sclerosis and stuff. And it's like it's great because a lot of people are giving to these great organizations. But it's like it's so and now it's so hard now because it's it like, is. you know, I mean, so we have to be creative. And now it's to the point now and it stinks because we like to help other people out. 
but we can't give our our A game away. It's like, oh yeah, we'll help you. And they're like, well, what did you do? And then we go, what did we do? What can I give you? You know, what ideas am I not afraid to leak? X Y Z. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, we just we just put out our sponsor levels and everything else um, this past week up on Facebook and a few of our other sites, um, which start September of this year and go th- for a full year through September 2020. Yeah. And that actually gets you some good stuff because we, I mean, other than this, I mean, we, we do really well as far as social media goes. I mean, we have a huge following. I mean, our website gets like 8,000 hits a month, like some ridiculous amount. Our Facebook we're is the same Google way. We're on Google now. Yeah, we're on Google now. We're we're kind of on LinkedIn. I don't know. I'm on LinkedIn and you're on LinkedIn and we Hidden have a Battles LinkedIn. is on LinkedIn. It's just. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. That. So, I mean, we get a lot of exposure, but it's just the fact that it's like. It, and it's really sucks. It sucks at the fact you can't really network when it comes to money because people are so freaking greedy that they're just like, oh, no, 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 my foundation needs that more than yours. And it's like, well, it's the same damn thing. We're all helping each other out. But, yeah, I mean, with the exception, there's only uh, uh, there's only a couple that we actually trust and we work with, you know, the Jacob Renane Foundation, yeah. the Butler, uh, Stephen Butler Foundation and the uh, Team Forever Young guys. You know, other than that. I'm afraid to help anybody out because they're just they're out for themselves. They uh, some of them I don't even. Oh yeah, sorry. And the specialist Matthew Polini fund. You guys familiar with those? I'm not. All right. So Matthew Polini, he's not from here, but um, he was killed on a Humvee rollover in Afghanistan. Um, So Mike Peterson is a sergeant in the National Guard. He is actually from Westford, originally from Draken, and he does a fundraiser for them. He does a ruck every year for him. So and and all the money goes to a veteran who has suffered through a natural disaster. So when a hurricane or something comes, they or they just had all the gas explosions. Mm-hmm. So he donates them, they donate the money that way. So then that's a good foundation. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm afraid to help anybody. AFSP. We'll give money to AFSP because they're they're a good organization. Yeah. It's the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. But and they were there for since day one. But other than that, I'm afraid. It's <laughs> I'm, tough. I'm scared. But no. what are we looking at for time? Holy crap, an hour and a half. If you haven't Whoa. fallen asleep or you're in Boston <laughs> traffic, that you've we've lost you a long time ago. So I, I don't know. You want to wrap it up? Yeah. So, uh, you know, as always, guys, you can check out our website, hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Shoot us an email at podcast.hiddenbattlesfoundation at gmail.com. Or uh, check us out on Facebook at Hidden Battles Foundation. And start to look for us because we're actually going to try to get this on iTunes, on Google Play, and on Spotify in the next couple of weeks. So, a whole bunch of other places. Yeah, so hopefully. And, um, yeah, and then coming out is wife Mindy for staring at us at the back of our heads and, and being the intelligent one in the room. Um, and once again, guys, if uh, you ever need somebody to talk to, you can always dial 1-800-273-TALK, which is one 800 273 Two five five veterans. You can press one, or you can text talk to seven four one seven four one. Yeah, and Eric brought some great stuff too. So you got Veterans Inc. Okay, their number is one eight hundred four eight two twenty five sixty five. One eight hundred four eight two twenty five sixty five. That's for the employment and training. This has pretty much been a veterans um, podcast uh, tonight. So um, you got that. This is for specialized services for women uh, and post nine eleven veterans. Um, so you can look them up, Veterans Inc., uh, and it's www.veteransinc.org. And what, you got anything else, Eric? No, this is just women and families, same hey, thing. Hey, what's this? Oh, look at this. All right, so, yeah, so, yeah, so women and families of Veterans Inc. So check out what Veterans Inc. They look like they're a great organization. They can help you with a bunch of different things. Um, Eric's just whipping paper at us at this point. Uh, I don't know when you're going to be putting this on, so. 
All right, uh, so it should be up uh, the next day or two. What do we got here? Uh, oh, okay. All right, so uh, so at the JFK Library, there's an event. Uh, the JFK Library is honoring and accepting a plaque for Special Forces Charitable Trust for the inclusion in its forthcoming renovation legacy gallery exhibit. Special guests, any hey, any major general that comes, you should go. Um, so it's Kurt Sonic Sonic. Did I say that? Major General Kurt Sonic. That's how I read it. That's how you read it. Okay. And then so um so that's actually Tuesday, April sixteenth at ten a.m. At the, that's at the JFK Presidential Library and Museum, and that's at Columbia Point in Boston. That's if you're heading down to Castle Island where Sullivan's is. That's usually in it's Castle Island is one of my favorite places on the planet. So head down there. That's actually and if you want. Kindly RSVP by April 5th to Nicole Frechette. I said that. At Nicole.Frechette, F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T, at jfkfoundation.org or 617-514-1670. They better pay us for plugging them. All right, the last one, because we love Eric and he brought this. So Veterans Open House, it is Thursday, March 28th from 3 to uh, 6 p.m. at the Lowell VA Clinic. It's 130 Marsh Road. Get your pencils. If you haven't figured out how to get a pencil yet when I start talking at the end of these things, then obviously you're not paying attention. Or we lost you and you're sleeping. So it's for vets, uh, family and friends, fed and state resources and benefits, disability claims and employment info, senior care services and programs, VA care, no deductibles, no premiums. For more information, email or call 857-364-5934 or email VA Boston Vets at VA.gov. That's V A B O S T O N V E T S at VA.gov. And I think that's it. Um, anything else, Chris? That's it? I got nothing for you. All right, I'm going to impromptu play us out of here. So, hey, thanks for listening and uh, take it easy. <laughs>